hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And also interviews with comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folk. And now, here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast, soundcaster, Mark... Persia. Mark. All right, all right, all right. Mark Hershon, your every other weekly host for Suckatash, is here with you, dear sweet listener. This is episode 289 of the Comedy Soundcast Soundcast. And what's a soundcast, you ask? Well, it's just a proprietary way of saying podcast so that we can maybe sue people for trying to use our term sometime down the road. Like they're ever going to pick up using Southcast. They they won't. I have my first Suckatash chat of 2022 coming up in just a moment with longtime friend of the show, Dana Carvey. But before I go any further, and this is getting old having to do this every show, it seems, but another comic great got the light this past week or so, Louis Anderson. Joins fellow comedians Bob Saget and just a little while before that, Norm MacDonald in that big green room in the sky. A lot of the funny ones have been getting snapped up recently, which is a shame not only because of the families and friends they leave behind, of course, but because it seems we need them now more than ever down here. But ah, thanks for all the laughs, Louie. R.I.P., buddy. Back to business, in case you missed last week's installment, Epi 288, entitled Busy Showbiz Clips, hosted by my comrade and soundcasting Dyson Saner. He was rocking a trio of soundcast clips from the likes of Resting Bitch with Ali Makovsky, Hollywood Handbook, and Dead Eyes. Don't despair, you can still fill your ears with that treasure trove over at Spotify, Stitcher, Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, Amazon Music, or our beloved home site, SuckatashShow.com, where we feature links to all the shows we feature and many of the hosts' socials as well. This episode, as the title implies, nay, it clearly states, we're catching up with Dana Carvey. Dana has been kind enough to be on the show a bunch of times since we began back in 2011. In fact, he was my co-host for episode number three. So we won't be covering things like his origins or the church lady or a lot of other past history stuff. You can find that in the Succotash archives. Instead, we mainly talk about the new comedy soundcast he's kicked off with fellow Saturday Night Live alumnus David Spade entitled Fly on the Wall, where they interview cast members past and present, former hosts, musical guests, and more. We venture into a few other areas as well, including a little hint of an upcoming narrative soundcast that he's been creating with his two sons, Dex and Tom Carvey. Here's a little taste of the premiere episode of Fly on the Wall with Dana David and their first guest, Chris Rock, getting into relationships and fame. What kind of choices are you making now as far as uh, girlfriends and stuff or dating or like how are you and this therapy is informing all of that? And I think women generally do like when someone's straightforward, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I'm just not as desperate as I've been in the past. Okay. Just you know, just you know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. just not like that thing where it's like, oh my god, I can't believe someone's paying attention to me. And then you know Right, right. And then you're in this weird lopsided thing where 
You both you both have one thing in common. You adore her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a quote. I want you guys both to comment on this, her. this quote. Just comment on Uh-oh. it, okay. whether it's true or not. Men want to be admired, and women want to be loved by a man they admire. It's pretty accurate, I guess. I guess. I mean, I don't. Men want to be admired by who? The woman I, in their by life. By peers. Well, that's like too. when I make. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like when I make the special or whatever. The only thing people I care about is like you guys. <laughs> right. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm, com- I'm so comedians. <laughs> I, not even comedians. Just mm. comedians. I think they're funny. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> That's the rest a, I can and we know we we're in the tribe. We know what like when we see you on stage, well, I always love how you, you have the cord and the way you move and you're all dressed up and you look great and the crowd's going crazy and you're just hammering it. I know what work went into that. I'm like, fuck. You know, and then to throw it all away and just be connected to it. Like I, I was really curious about this particular line you had, these anthems. And one was, a man's only as faithful as his options, which it seems like it was just hanging around, but it became quotable with my friends. It's what not whether it's absolutely true, but it's just a very funny, astute observation. It's pretty true. Um, calm, I don't think I to came it. up with it. I think like one of my uncles said it to me. Well, that's, how, that's, sh- that's coming up with I it. And I shoved it in a joke. Yeah. But that's coming up with it, you know, noticing it. And I think I can use that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that one follows me everywhere. <laughs> really? Oh, good. Good and bad, you know. Oh. It's like everybody. A little too close with for certain Yeah, it's people. like any girl you date, it's like, man's only as faithful as his options. You know, like, hey. He's there, they're like, sir, are you out of options? You're like, hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, hey. My, painted my yourself crazy. in the corner. I had it. Well, isn't that special? I can't get away from it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Rock, what are the three top things that people on the street know you for? They know me for. I mean, Is they know me for. It's weird. It's like, especially because of YouTube. Yeah. They don't even know whole specials. They just know jokes about yeah, this yeah. or that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's- like, like specials end up becoming mixed together on some level. Sure. They don't so, know. They just go that joke. You told this joke, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of Madagascar too. I was on. Uh, I, I did a lot of Oprah Winfrey when after Bring the Pain. Oh, I remember <laughs> so that. So there's a certain amount. You'd be amazed at the housewives that mm. or the you know that are into that know what I do. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's not SNL anymore. It's more movies here or there. It's, I don't know. I'm I'm like uh, I don't know. It's like remember when we were kids and you just see um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Certain people were just famous and you couldn't even figure out why. Yeah, you're like why is Charo famous? <laughs> you know what was hard for me Tiny to realize Tim. Is when people <laughs> yeah, you're like okay. were recognizing me. I thought oh it was so great until I heard one people one person say oh. I know that guy, he sucks. And I'm like, oh, it doesn't mean they like me. It just means they know who I am. They just know you. I mean, I'll tell you this, that grown-ups is fucking- Yeah, grown-ups is a big one. You're right, you're right. I don't say, really, I guess, any young person, my God, grown-ups. We're keeping the lights Woo! on at TBS, I'll tell you, because it's on like- Yeah, TBS- Heavy rotation. Plays grown-ups literally 
all the time. One and two, um, one and two. You can find Fly on the Wall all over the interwebs. They're currently number one on Apple Podcasts and probably other distribution points as well. They've already hit more than 300,000 downloads a week. And right after this message from our fake sponsor, Henderson's Pants, and their new pedestrian pants, I'll be speaking with Dana Carvey himself. So stick around. Oh, la, 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 la. Another innocent pedestrian. Another inattentive driver. Another senseless death on another crowded city street. Looks like someone wasn't wearing his Henderson's pedestrian pants. The only pants that tell oncoming traffic, please don't hit me. Hello, friends. Bill Haywatt here. And if you're like me, you've probably realized that the simple act of trying to walk from point A to point B in downtown America has become a little like going 10 rounds with Mike Tyson. Chances are you're eventually going to get hit. And why wouldn't you? With so many drivers using their valuable time behind the wheel to shave, eat lunch, or check in with their good friends on social media, who in the heck has time to watch where they're going? Going anymore. <laughs> Not me. And that's why Henderson's has come to the rescue. With pants so iridescently bright, they instantly turn a potentially deadly intersection into a cone zone crosswalk of a discriminating fashion runway. With Henderson's pedestrian pants, even folks who are asleep at the wheel or vying for their city's DUI record will see you coming from blocks away with colors like radioactive isotope green, volcanic pumpkin vomit orange, and bladder infection yellow. But stylish color options are only part of the magic of Henderson's pedestrian pants. Built into the protective heat-resistant lining of these beauties are over 10,000 watts of flexible Kleeglite strips that will illuminate your legs like a Broadway marquee. Nothing says, see me coming like a pair of Henderson's pedestrian pants. Originally designed for the Rockettes of Radio City Music Hall, dirt track race car drivers, and power walking narcissists with a taste for the bizarre, Henderson's pedestrian pants are available at your local all-occasion security barn and wherever used traffic flares are sold. That's Henderson's, makers of potentially life-saving outerwear since 1911. And now back to Succotash. Um, well, it's great to have you back on Succotash. Dana, you've, I, th I was going to do a count and I, I forgot to, but I think you, I think this is like your eighth or ninth visit. Succotash. I know. Well, look at this. Look at this 2022, the way we're doing it now. I've been in the studio in Sausalito when you had that studio. Yeah. But who needs a studio? Your home is your studio. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And back then you said, I would never do a podcast. Never. I'll never do a podcast. That's, I remember you saying distinctly. Oh, I would yeah. never. I would never. I would walk down the streets of, of of Marin Mill Valley and just scream in the high high heaven. No, it was always perfect for me. I just waited for the railroad tracks to be laid down. I wasn't going to go in like a little bitch early on. We're like, you know, <laughs> no metrics, no awareness. Uh, so you know, okay, flying the wall. So basically, so is that Spade? I've known since before SNL. He was like the surfer comedian around yeah. 20 yeah. or 21 hanging out with me and Kevin Nealon and Beachwood <laughs> Cannon with uh, Robert Dubach, Bob. Um, <laughs> so I knew him then. And then he gets on SNL. I knew we crossed over there and then we were just around and this and that. And then, you know, I went my way, wife, kids, this and that. And then I moved back down here and then suddenly 
just organically, we start hanging out and having long boozy dinners at Koi. And, yes. uh, and then just had a banter and, you know, just sort of came from that. Yeah. Um, I'm speaking about being a fly on the wall. I was a fly on the wall at one of those dinners. Uh, at, Probably more than one. Yeah. At, but the one with you and Spade, and I remember you guys really sort of talking up this idea of you could really do this. And it was like an early, very wow. early days. It's well, I leaned into him and I said, I don't know if I'm going to do this, but just ask her, Sean, if we <laughs> should do it. If he says, yes, I'm in. So he nervously <laughs> asked you and you said, sure. You know, part of it was just, I'd have three podcasts going right now. Currently flying the wall is the flagship, the mothership uh, with Cadence 13. And um, then I have one fantastic with Larry Bubbles Brown and Chris Rios, which is on hiatus. And that's more like a miniature uh, variety show that'll be coming out. And then I have the weird place, which is a scripted podcast I'm doing with my two sons, Tom and Dex for Conan O'Brien's company, Team Coco. So- fantastic so the nice thing it's fantastic the nice thing about this one was it was very specific it doesn't lean on any of those other two yeah it's very much about this uh incredibly bizarre experience that is becoming a cast member of Saturday Night Live and the fact mm. that Lauren Michaels the brilliant Lauren Michaels has kept it essentially the same for a half century. So no matter who we talk to, it's like they're in 8H. It's that it's the read through is crammed in there right before the show on 9A where you're at, you're you're constantly crammed into tiny rooms. I mean literally, yeah. So it's looking at that experience through everybody's lens that comes on your show. And everybody has a slightly different take based on sort of their reaction, but it's all very sort of similar sort of shared universe uh sort of yeah. sort of idea. Shared universe, completely different and the same all at the same time. So it's just uh, some people score right away. Some people it takes time. Some people are there with a the big cast fighting or some they don't know where it's coming. Uh, you know, so it's just uh, interesting how much it we all overlap each other's lives. I'm not saying it's literally like this, but it's kind of like, oh, so you were in the Navy. I was in the Navy. I'm not saying I'm not saying we're like, go to war, people uh, write me veterans. But it's just analogous. Uh, I ran into Tracy Morgan once just casually, and he just said, hey, alum, how you doing, alum? Alum. Yeah, <laughs> we were going to call it flies with the alum, but no. <laughs> we do, we want a fly thing. That's for sure. So you've done, uh, you've dropped four episodes so far, uh, but, dropped, you've you've re but you've record, you've got more in the can as yeah. they say, Yeah. as you're talking to these other people that are either alums or past guests, are you finding flashbacks happening to your time there? Oh yeah. I mean, I think that it, it's a little bit like when I read Steve Martin's book, The Stand Up. I felt less lonely, you know? So there's yeah. so much emotionality to that show and everyone kind of felt the same. There may be a, a few shooting stars that had such a different lane. Maybe Eddie Murphy, it was just sort of a rocket ship right out of high school. I don't relate to that. Most people <laughs> took uh, 40, 60, 80 shows to get comfortable. Mm. Really comfortable with the idea. It's very hard to go through all that and and then just get out there and have fun. But success begets success. And part of the secret sauce of the show has been this intentional or unintentional reality show on two levels. Mm. One is, let's see if the football player can do live sketch comedy this week. 
<laughs> oh, look, he's not so good in that. And you're entertained. <laughs> oh, we did though. You know, um, you know, I, I'm, you're behind a slat. It's live. You're in New York. You're in a, you're in Rockefeller center. Michael Jordan is where you're about to go into a sketch with him. It's midway through the show. There'll be a party afterwards for 11 hours all night long. And he's going, how am I doing? <laughs> well, well, greatest of all time basketball player, you're doing just fine. I said, look, don't worry about it. If you have to just look at the cue card and just read the line, no problem. Christopher Walken does that and makes it magic. <laughs> but yeah, that's it there. You don't totally get over that, that experience. I don't care if you've gone on to movie superstardom or whatever, it's so much packed into the, a, a dense, the live thing of it. Lauren Michaels as this Obi-Wan Kenobi character that's just there, the constant. And and then the exact same studio, exact same rehearsal room, the exact, everything is the same, the exact same schedule, the exact same dysfunctional procrastination. Or, as you know about creative types, uh, <laughs> where they're just gonna, I remember you writing movies with a comedian and you you get them focused for a little bit of time, yeah. but then they you look around and they're outside shooting hoops. That's right. That was my experience. Because <laughs> you were the guy, you were like the machine who could help you help. You know, we we wrote two screenplays together, um, just completely based on your discipline. I go, <laughs> oh, I had the office. It was open. I said, I knew you were waiting. That's I right. guess I have to go. <laughs> and I don't know what exactly that is. I guess being, there's an ickiness to writing. I call it icky. It's like a term paper trying to get the first line. The French mm -hmm. Revolution was neither French nor revolutionary. You know, that's like six <laughs> hours of pain. Right. Um, but you had this gear where you just enjoyed, which was smart, just just aggregating pages. Let's just get stuff out. Yes. And you, you go, let's just do 13 pages today. <laughs> be like, yeah. Yeah. I keep yapping, you keep yapping, and we get 13 pages. It'll be easy, and then we'll fix it later. We'll fix it later. We'll hone it down. But with SNL, you have you, the, you're procrastinating, but there's these hard uh, lines each week. If you don't get it in by Wednesday morning, it's not on the show. And then Thursday rehearsing the rewrite. This is kind of your last chance. If you're getting a different kind of prop, we better do. So it's pushing mm -hmm. the procrastinator every step of the way. And like, okay, we're going to go on live at 1130. So I better do something, you know. And, and you had Lauren Michaels there sort of cracking the whip, right, to make sure that those milestones got reached. And then there were you know, people behind the scenes, right? The writers and whatnot that were more disciplined, I suppose, than than a lot of the other folks that were both they were in both, the cast. Yeah, they're both stripes. Jack Handy would, we'd have the Monday meeting and people would have nothing and pitch fake ideas to the new host. And Jack Handy <laughs> would go, I'm good. And I took a bath on Saturday and he wrote two sketches. So he was always ahead of the curve. Then Jim Downey, who was the head writer when I was there, it was brilliant, but really was sort of, let's, we're talking about the Mets and a guy's batting average, you know, for like two hours. <laughs> but then at 10.30 or 10.45, the show's on 11.30, doing a quick rewrite, he would come in with like five zingers. Mm. Boom, just needed that pressure. And then boom, he'd yeah. give you like five zingers. So everyone was different. Um, the, it's all in place. I mean, there's the there's the production staff, but there's Lauren doesn't have to crack a whip. He's going to show up and read sketches on Wednesday. If, if you didn't make it in the pack, that's it. You're out. Yeah, you, yeah. What's it like being able to revisit these folks in sort of a long form? Well, it's weird how how many I've I've met 
somehow. Like I met Lorraine Newman at the West Side Comedy Club a few times, mm. you know. Um, I, I would say this, and I don't know if you would agree, but it seems like humanity or show business or whatever, we're all busier than we've ever been doing nothing or something. There's something weird about the scheduling of texting and now Zoom. Like there's more meetings because they're easy to have these meetings, you know. So I don't know when the next time I would sit and have dinner with Tina Fey and right. Lauren. When do those stars line up? And then as you get it longer down, down the path of life, you're kind of like, well, maybe they'll never line up. So it's a very nice time to connect with someone that you've admired and, and seen and hung out with a little bit at dinner, had drinks with Lauren and Tina once. I was just bringing her up. But so it's very, that's an unexpected nice part of it. Like, uh, going to do Mike Myers next. And so I just saw him when I was doing the Super Bowl commercial. But I'll be very interested just to hear more about his particular lane. He has a very specific journey mm -hmm. that he took coming into a cast that was already formed, doing well, coming in as a lone wolf and integrating with this cast. So he yeah. had a very specific lane. And so I enjoy it. That's cool. Will there be uh, uh, musical guests, people that were like musical guests on the show? Will that you have those people on or is this mostly uh, the hosts and comedians? Oh, no. No, not at all. It's completely expansive. Mm. I would I would consider having Kesha on because she's such a Wayne's World fan, mm. like uh, like psychotically. I mean, in a good way. <laughs> like has pictures of Garth all over her house. So I I think that the show has, in one way or another, kind of touched everybody. Yeah. Um, but we love athletes. If anyone's listening, love <laughs> love musicians. You know, um, love people who hosted. Jeremy Irons hosted. We can have him. It, yeah. the, the the canvas is very expansive. I mean, I'd love to have Tom Brady and you know Peyton Manning on. <laughs> I love that Seth, Seth Curry on. Who has ever been part of the show? Is it's a big group. You know? Well, that's fun. Um, and uh, in terms of sort of yours and David's style, it's sort of interesting because again, harkening back to that dinner I had with you guys. Uh, the way you converse is uh, very friendly, very amiable. And you have this interesting give and take where you tend to kind of hang back just a little bit. And he tends to kind of like move forward a little bit. So he's like kind of jumping on the pauses and it, whether it's with the guest or just you and he talking, it's just kind of interesting to see your sort of friendly banter, I'll call it, uh, sort of come to life in an interview style. Do you feel comfortable doing that? Uh, oh yeah. And every guest is, brings its own, the third wheel brings its own chemistry to it, mm. you know, as well. We, uh, I would say that, yeah, with, with most comedians, you start getting funnier. If you, if you go in a room and there's a couple comedians and say a couple of people really like to laugh, then one of the comedians says something and it sparks the other one. So with Spade and I, we do, we do that patter. So yeah. I, I like when, you know, he does a self-deprecating thing, or we're just trying to kind of in a friendly, a friendly banter of one one upmanship you know uh <laughs> as far as the different interviews we've done we've done like 20 20 some by now uh each one's kind of different sometimes i know the person better it may lead with questions uh other times david um kind of had more experience with chris rock than i did because he was in that secondary cast they were all in one big office together so oh, like okay that. yeah but the main thing was is that uh, David is 
incredibly in tune with the moment in the room, uh, mm. which most great comedians are. So he knows when uh, something needs to be teased out or some something's a little embarrassing or something was just awkward or, you know, so it's always live in the moment and his sensibilities match up with mine in that way. Yeah. He's not going to do a fart joke, right? A certain, we don't, you know I mean? There's a certain kind of parameter sensibility wise that we share, even though we're very different. Um, and, you know, I'm this, the salty veteran and he's sort of kept in touch with the younger side of show because mm. He has like 3 million Instagram followers or something. I, I'm a terrible celebrity. I don't even, I don't know how to try to get more famous. I just have no interest in it. And yet that would seem like crazy. But why are you in showbiz? But I love the funny part. So, um, Have you taken the opportunity to, to listen to your own show? I'm just curious because um, I think one of the things when you guys were kicking this idea around was you were wondering whether people would even be interested and sort of listening to this sort of conversation um, at length, you know, other than sort of for a curiosity piece. So I'm just mm -hmm. curious how you find it, if you've had a chance to kind of listen to it at all. And um, do you find it interesting? Um, I've, I'll listen to it a little bit. I maybe when I have a more time, I listen a little more only to try to give myself uh you know, I mean, basically you're interviewing me right now, you know, so. <laughs> right. I appreciate, you know, Larry King, Howard Stern, Johnny Carson, you know, that now there's two of us. So there's three. Um, if the guest says something and then I get really curious and I want to interject, but, but should I let him finish? So you want, you want kind of overlap to a point because it keeps so sort of a kinetic energy. Yeah. Like if you're having dinner with someone at a restaurant, you don't mind going, well, wait a minute, what'd you just say? So that that there I crashed the car and my dad said, no way, will you crash the car? Tell me about that. So you want to be live in the moment. I've been on podcasts where it's very linear. Uh, there's no interrupting and you, it kind of winds down into nothing. There's a pause and then the next question. We right. didn't want to do that, but there's no perfect podcast. I'll have podcasts regret a little bit for every podcast, but I know that's what I'm doing. I shouldn't have jumped on that. I should have listened more. I should have ran with that. That's the art form of it. And there's no doubt over time, we'll just get better at it. I'm getting more in tune with when David, how he interjects, when he gets into a story that he wants to go to the end, you know? Yeah. And then there's times when it's like, you said that, I say this. You say that, I say this, you know? Um, I wanted to ask Conan and David, they had injuries uh, and mishaps while hmm. performing. Cause I've had at least three times uh just bit my tongue right before i went on stage to the point where it's bleeding and now welcome to the you know, is this blood coming just stuff like that sure sure i i i remember when we were doing a pilot episode for that thing we were trying to work on at the improv and you took that header off the stage off the uh, stage in the dark yeah it's a it was i i was the 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 lab at the improv it's a little yes. room a, a very a one foot stage so hey yeah. i'm gonna go do chop broccoli they've moved the piano so i have to step down now in that corner it's not just dark it's pitch black yeah, yeah. and everyone's waiting me to get to the piano so i misstepped and then i was in a killing cage yeah <laughs> hard, hard wood and bam 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 so i went outside and i, I was really stunned and yeah. i asked the guy how do I look? Am I bleeding? He goes, no, no, no. So I put ice on it, but I did have a brain scan the next day. <laughs> yeah, I just was... told, 
TK Shaw. No, it was yeah. violent. And there is this thing, whether you're sick, tired, nauseous, just threw up, just fell down. You, you're, you know, uh, I bumped my shin, which happens to people stay in hotel rooms mm. to the point where I saw stars. I bumped my shin on a marble table in the oh. night. Cause you're in, am yeah. I in, am I in, yeah, am I in uh, Dallas or <laughs> am I at the Four Seasons? So then it starts swelling and I have a hematoma, but, and it's getting hard to walk. But the next gig was uh, in Santa Barbara, Thousand Seat Theater or something. And it's getting more and more painful. I mean, really painful. So I go over there and I barely can put weight on it, but they paid and I got to go do my thing, right? And this, the guy goes, hey, the stagehand, hey, don't worry, you know what's nice? Jonathan Winters is out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he can't wait to see you. So <laughs> so it's the ir irony of showbiz. So wait, one of my greatest heroes, rhythmically brilliant idols of comedy, I'm gonna perform for him and I'm kind of in a quasi state of agony. Yeah. I thought, God damn it. <laughs> so that's show business in a nutshell. The show must go on. Although, yeah. you know, my fear of flying. So I don't yeah. ever go, well, we got to get in the chopper. The show's got to go on. I always say, you know what? Maybe the show doesn't have to go on. <laughs> maybe, just maybe the show sucks. <laughs> so never get in something that flies because a show has to go on. Uh, that's you funny. Do you think you'd be doing this show um, if there wasn't this sort of Zoom technology? Because I'm just thinking about the give and take, just not just between you and David, but uh, with guests and whatnot. And, you know, I've done plenty of these before this became sort of the way we communicate because of COVID, yeah. uh, just on audio. And we, I've interviewed you just on the phone and things like that. But there's something about this medium now with Zoom where you can see the person you're talking to that I think increases sort of the rhythmic element of the conversation. Oh, without a doubt, it's a miracle. Just imagine the guests that we'll have and imagine they all had to fly to LA to go into a studio. So first of all, take out 90% of the guests. No one's gonna fly across country to do a <laughs> podcast. But now that we do the Zoom, we can see them and we're all live in real time with our headsets on. Although my Wi-Fi here is tweaky. I was going really good with Conan mm. and David. And then I started sounding like Frankenstein because my son didn't know he came in the townhome, went downstairs and surfing the web. And that was enough to ding me. But oh. most of the time it works quite well. Um, and um, to me, it's a, a miracle because it's it's a soft ask. I We have a booker, but I don't want to pressure anyone to say, come on, if, if you feel like it in any time in the next year. But to say, hey, Adam Sandler, drive four hours round trip <laughs> into West Hollywood We'll get the car and you'll do, you know, hey, Adam Sandler, go down into your bedroom office, <laughs> yeah. sit at a table, put on Zoom, have a cocktail, you know, whatever, iced tea and chat with us. So it's, it's um, to me, you know, you've been on car rides with me, riffing and yeah. stuff. That's more what I do on Fantastic, but there is that stuff on this too, to a point. And this authenticity, this shoot the rehearsal, this no prep thing, basically, although I do with each guest, I have stuff, but I've, one of the things I'm learning is listen, 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 and you may not ever get to things you naturally think you want to bring up, like exactly. kind of ignore that. So I'm learning that, don't, don't push into it, it, depending on the guest, but I would say this is a miracle for me that I can come up here 
and talk and have it be like a monetization experience yeah. <laughs> and the person's in new york and they're kind of happy too tina was in her office conan was in his office i mean they're that, just like that's great the, the the tip about that i'll pass along you talked about before the idea that you get an idea and you go well i don't want to interrupt david but i want to hear, hear you know i want to take the conversation somewhere is keep uh you know keep a paper and pencil right nearby and just jot mm -hmm that stuff down as you're going, because then there'll be an opening later on and you can just go, hey, you know, a little ways back, you were talking about that trip you took to Boise. Right, and then in the moment, you have to see if it's was now 10 minutes later worth to circle around. Right, you know? right. And anyway, it's a, it's, it's a mental game, but I think as you go forward with it, uh, the number one thing I would say is if I'm having fun, and I, cause being on a podcast can be really like jury duty. That's the classic <laughs> comedy line of like, cause yeah. every human being can ask you now, wait a minute, you're telling me you can't go to your bedroom and talk to me on zoom for 20 minutes. <laughs> right. I, I thought we were friends. <laughs> so, um, everyone's got a podcast and, uh, you gotta be on them. So, but I do love it and I can't believe it's, I, I think that, um, the one thing about this was just the specificity of it as it went forward in the podcasting world that became very important uh for certain people you know there there can be just mark Marin does his interviews that style but this is like very two snl guys talking to snl people about their experience on snl so it's like oh I'm, i know i'm going to get some of that and i'm getting better at that at first i was just i want to talk talk to tom hanks about his top important movies from his childhood right. and he was exploding with joy talking about the great escape <laughs> jason and the argon ah you know <laughs> which is fun about tom it's just enthusiasm but uh there are other people just come right in and it's just i felt this i felt nervous i didn't think i was going to make it usually it's um self-deprecating uh, mm. it's hard to give people compliments i did you'll laugh at this so with tina I looked up on the Wikipedia page. So they get, they put her awards at the end and it's just insane. <laughs> I heard this, this was the Star Trek. Run, yeah. Well, right? I didn't know it made it in the cut, but I just yeah. thought, because you, if you know, Star Trek because you're super, you know, <laughs> that, that, you know, the uh, three Emmy nominations, comedy award, I mean, but that was just funny. Um, so I think that uh, I learned, I got a little bit acclimated to this, doing some interviews on the Fantastic Podcast yeah. with my nephew, Frank, my wife's nephew, Frank from Ireland. And, um, but I, I do think we'll just get better at it, hopefully. Uh, but the main secret sauce is having fun and feeling that the person on the Zoom is actually having fun. And, and that's staying in the moment and going outside normal questions. Like, what could I ask? garrett morris that he has never been asked you know yeah that's that that's the the kind of the golden ticket right where can i how can i ask somebody who's been a asked a million questions something they've never heard before how can i do yeah. that or just a comment or it could be philosophical about the world but i do think uh going back for a second we're just all so busy so this this technology i'm just of the mind now that all art and technology is just perfect for its time you know because you don't yeah. want to be a grumpy old man why is the cast on why are they doing this and that no they're not this is perfect for 2022 yeah you know? and i was you know i feel like a dinosaur you know well isn't that special you know <laughs> it was perfect for 1987 you know 
Um, the only way I can, I don't try to stay relevant because that's kind of pathetic, but I do like the challenge of doing who's ever president. So that's the only thing they say, well, that's brand new, but he did George Bush senior. Well, he kind of did all the rest and, and now he's doing Biden, <laughs> you know, so at least that keeps me somewhat, you know, re uh, you know, relevant. That makes sense. Um, just as to switch gears, you've mentioned working with the your boys on uh, a couple these other couple of shows, and just for the audience listening, you know, because because we now live in the metaverse, and there are probably some people that might be listening to this show that the last time they heard you mention your boys was in on a special in 1997 when they right. were <laughs> tiny and naked running around the house, right? So, Which was a huge mistake. They got so, teased about that their whole life. Oh, we never ever do that. I feel sorry for comedians who do it. I go, so, oh, don't, 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 don't do your kids. Don't, don't do your kids. Oh, that's yeah. a good, good, yeah. uh, <laughs> good recommendation. But now they're fully grown adult persons mm -hmm. and uh, they're working with you on these shows. What is that experience like? I mean, it's, uh, it, it, it's something some people dream about being able to like be in something with their kids, you know, and seeing them grow and develop and, and becoming enamored of the same sort of things you have over the years. Um, it's, uh, I would say it's to the point of like, just surreal. I only, you know, it's an example of the lane that I ended up in with, with my two sons. And, uh, it just, it's the only lane I've known, but the good part is, and the most exciting part is in the moment at the table writing and, and going through ideas, um, they often really surprise me. They really match up with my sensibility, even though I'm the old guy. And so that's really nice. Like, oh, that's good. That's funny. Oh, you're rejecting that? Oh, for this reason? I mean, the infinite puzzle that is comedy writing in any form and uh, is a never-ending joy, really, because it's like trying to catch the wind. But if you're working with people within a similar frequency, and I put you in that category, then it's always kind of everything's being batted around and then everyone sort of agrees or Larry bubbles around. Oh, oh no, that that's funny. That's really funny. So that's working with similar sensibility and that my sons are in the same wheelhouse. I am, I don't know why. So we agree on the twilight zone. Tom and I are on season four of Stargate. We agree. That's mm -hmm. brilliant. The guy who plays Tuk is like up there with Spock and data <laughs> yeah. as that guy. Um, so, um, it's fun to really like hanging out with your your kids and and really relating to them. Uh, it just sort of happened, you know. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I do not want to take up more of your time. I know you're very very busy with all of these shows and things you've got going on. But um, I'm very glad you came back to visit us here at Succotash. I this is my ninth. You think? I think it's ninth. I think. Okay. Somewhere so when in. we wrap, when the season wraps, let's just do 10. I don't want to, I'm sick of this single digit shit. Let's do that. Let, let's and do you know number the, 10. <laughs> we, we, which will be good because we're just rounding the, the uh, home stretch on uh, the 10th year of Succotash is coming to a, oh. coming to an end. We start 11, year 11 starts in April. Woo. Okay. Which is amazing. But that's, um, that's amazing. Well, happy 10th already. So thank it'll you. be synergy in its 10th year. I'll do my 10th podcast. There you go. So the show again is fly on the wall, which I, I have to sort of apologize because when, when you were telling me various sort of title ideas, I, I didn't quite get it at first because I thought you guys were the flies on the wall. And now right, that I've listened the to the show, mm -hmm. I'm the fly on the wall. 
Yeah. And I now guess I, that's the idea. Now I get it. Cause it does sound like you're listening to old friends, having a conversation and bringing in other people that they either knew really well, or they're just kind of learning how to know better, but it's a very entertaining show. Well, at least there's moments where for sure, uh, lots of moments where I'm not really doing a podcast. I'm having a conversation with these two friends on Zoom. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, you know, and then when you're just in that moment, like I said, not trying to be anything. And uh, I, I, I would assume just hearing those voices, that's the beauty of podcasts without visual, both sides are great. Then that's something very intimate about that, you know, especially driving your car. Like, yeah, you really feel like they're there. So anyway, this has been um, Succotash uh, redo no, like a secondary <laughs> show that I'm just launching. Uh, it's called uh, it's called uh, Tracking Hershon is the name of the uh, my latest podcast. And this has been my first episode with Tracking Hershon. Mark Hershon has been my guest, the man who's kind of like the where's Waldo, sort of like the touchstone of American comedy on the West Coast and the East Coast. Oh, uh, anyway, great years. to talk to you. Thanks for the time. And all uh, right, I'm sure we will talk again soon. I'll call you just as a regular person very soon. <laughs> I hope so. I can't With... wait. <laughs> I have I have some stuff to tell you. I'll call you in a second. All right. Okay. Talk later. <laughs> bye bye. <Hey>, thanks. <laughs> all right. Bye, Succotash listeners. Bye. I always appreciate when Dana carves out a little time to visit with us. Don't miss checking out Fly on the Wall. You can find links for the show and Dana's Twitter and Instagram links on our SuccotashShow.com home site in the blog entry for this very episode. Before I turn out the lights and head home, I feel like I should take a peek inside the tweet sack to see who has been dropping at Suckatash Show into their socials the past week or so. The Jock Doc Podcast with host Dr. London Smith recommending a few new soundcasts for us to check out and clip. Thanks, Doc. I shake my head with Lisa and Sam, Multiverse of Badness, Rebecca Clark, Fascination Street, Joshua Barnes, Judith Rose Schwartz, Forever Saroyan, Earbuds Podcast Collective, Ariel Nissenblatt, Sounds Profitable Newsletter, Muriel's Murders, Danny Mendlo, Mikey Whack Brackets, Andrea Jones Rui, Joshua Gilliland, aka Bowtie Josh on Instagram, Carrie Snow, Wiz World Live, Carolyn Weinhold, Jeff Hewitt, The D Head Factor, Phil Larinus, Matt Knudsen, and The Lady Killers Phil. All it takes to get in that number is to toss our at Succotash show handle into your socials. On the other hand, there are still no calls to the Succotash Show and Runaway Truck Status Hotline, but if you were to call 1-818-921-7212, we would play your message on an upcoming episode of this show. And if you are a comedy soundcaster, you don't have to wait for Tyson or me to find your program. You can snip off a three to five minute chunk of fun and upload it directly to us at hightail.com slash lowercase u slash succotash. Who knew there were so many ways to get in on the Succotash Fun Factory? I'm going to go before I overstay my welcome. Coming up in the same feed next week will be Tyson Saner with the 290th episode of this soundcast. 
if you hang around until after our announcer, Bill Haywatt's done uh, with his closing announcements, I stuck on a couple of extra minutes of me chatting up Dana Carvey from the start of our interview. Normally, we would have reserved that for subscribers to our Patreon account, but I haven't actually gotten around to activating that yet, so knock yourself out for nothing. Until you hear from me again, be good to yourself and others. Remember to wear a goddamn mask, get your stupid COVID shot for fuck's sake, and if anyone should happen to stop you in the aisle in the supermarket and ask if you've heard anything good lately, won't you please pass the succotash? You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, with your host, Mark Hershaw. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Rate us and review us at Apple and Google Podcasts. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com. On Spotify. On Stitcher. On iHeartRadio. On YouTube. On SoundCloud. And wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Suckatash Show. Like us on Facebook. Email us at marc at show.com Or call into the Suckatash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at hightail.com slash you slash Suckatash. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Suckatash is executive produced by Mark Hershon. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash. Goodbye. Whatever you want to ask me, I know you're firm, but you're fair. <laughs> That's that you can know, be true, I suppose. But uh, you've always uh, most people refer to you as oh, Hershon. You mean the Taskmaster? <laughs> yes, he's very firm. You're kind of the uh, I don't know. You're like the mayor of a certain stand-up world. I guess a very, very small stand-up world though. Well, it's kind of like so many comedians. Oh, Mark Hershon just went through your world. That's true. That's true. Speaking of comedians going through the world, you saw that uh, Louis Anderson got the light today. I know it's pretty twisted. He was such a nice guy. Yeah. That's what I, I mean, I met him a couple of times years. I mean, many years ago, but, uh, was it, that's everyone said what a nice guy he was and funny uh last time i did worked with him was or a benefit for bobby slayton hmm. uh at the saban theater oh really yeah. okay and he he opened up he he was like no one wanted to go on first you know <laughs> there's like 20 comedians even for a benefit for bobby because his wife had died and there was you know yeah um and he's like i'll go out there you know so he did wow and um you know, for our generation, it's kind of like it's Norm, Bob, yep. Louie. Yeah. And so it's hard not to, how to process that. Yeah. I, I leave it to you. <laughs> but I was I was happy he was able to find that success in playing uh, the, the mom in Zach Galifianakis' uh, basket, Baskets show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was, <laughs> he was hysterical <laughs> on that. <laughs> 
<laughs> he was great. I know. That's the, the beautiful thing about show business is that you literally never know. Yeah. yeah. You know? This has been a Succotash Patch production. <laughs>